This is Isaac from Unplanned Trek. I've never ever heard of Let's Talk About Treks. Welcome to Let's Talk About Treks, an episodic review of today's best visions of the future, featuring Earl Grey and Jack Dorino. Welcome, everybody. Welcome to our season three of Picard wrap up, or our Picard season three wrap up, or our wrap up of the third season of Star Trek Picard. <laughs> a new thing, no, a newer ish thing? What's new? A thing. Okay, welcome to the new thing of the week. <laughs> First of all, I want to once again thank everyone for voting in the polls you know the polls have been like sort of us we've had a snowball effect during our first run of doing polls we'd get like three or four responses and now we're up to like sometimes thir- up to 30 responses which is amazing like i think that's great so i really appreciate yeah. all the support that everyone has been giving us for the show and for interacting with us in the show and i think it's it's awesome so thank yeah. you very much yeah we really appreciate you joining us during this season of Picard, we reached some my personal milestones. So we appreciate you joining us and helping us break those barriers. So Earl, this season, we had a total of, I want to say, well, I, I would say 47, but I believe that my numbers are one episode off. So mm. that would be a total of 52 votes that we put out for this season. <laughs> so that okay. was a lot for everyone to contend with. So again, thank you for doing that. Also, I noticed that Earl, you tend to have the winning vote. <laughs> a little bit more often than me. At the time of my count, your proposal for things, uh, we went with them 28 times. Okay. Whereas we went with mine about 19 times. It seems like you are good at picking the worst line. Okay. <laughs> so just like Jack, I'm best at the worst. Okay. Uh, no, uh, that's not how I No, I, I know. <laughs> I, it'll come up later and then it'll connect for you how that makes sense. Okay. You are fairly good at picking MVP. I just barely edged you out by like maybe one vote. When I looked at the percentages of what of each actual vote that got the most, I noticed that there was a clear contender in every spot. For example, we had just one Easter egg that got 100% of the vote through the course of the season. Right. The 100% Easter egg that we got was from our last episode, and that was Voice of the President because it was played by... Walter Cunning. Yes. We had a best line. It was very, very close between Shaw and Worf. So the the runner-up for that particular best line was Worf when he was talking to Troy. And fearful be the god or man or beast that stands in my way. Yes. And he, so he, that was with 90% of the vote and, but Shaw beat him out. Yeah. A lot of people really liked his last line. You have the cards. Seven of nine. And there was one worst line that got 100% across <laughs> oh, the board no. for the season. And that was our friend Deanna Troy, who told us for some reason that... Your son is dangerous. Yes, exactly. I was surprised by the most voted, most valuable player. That was Riker. Oh, yeah? He was 100% of the vote on episode six. That was where, like, both of us had picked him anyway. 
and he was only going to win it. Most likely. Why was he the most valuable player? He, he took the hit. He was the one who was teleported away with the with the changeling so that they could escape with ah, Ada. Gotcha. And then for our backdoor pilot, I was very surprised by, by what won the largest backdoor pilot vote. Oh, yeah? It was the Worf and Rafi buddy cop show. Mm-hmm. So I think that actually becomes Section 31. <laughs> Which makes me wonder that the Section 31 show, quote unquote, is actually going to be a long trek. Who do you think is going to be in that with Michelle Yeoh? Uh, do you think it could be Worf and Rafi? I think that's a good, a fair bet. That know? would be pretty neat, I think. I think it means that uh, the writers of Star Trek need to give us a call. Oh, agreed. Oh, if, if I see Worf and Rafi in the Section 31 movie, I'm I'm tape, sending this time-stamped audio file straight to Terry Metalis, <laughs> just, just so he knows. The interesting thing is, is you're typically pretty good at picking the backdoor pilot. A lot of people liked your, your choices. Admittedly, some of mine were kind of grasping at straws because I'm like, well, what could I pull out of this particular episode to make into a backdoor pilot? Sure. Especially this last episode, I was like, I really like those those bored mandalas, the, the, the like bunny flower shapes that you see in coloring books. You couldn't put that into a show unless you're just like trying to watch something while you're high. But I thought, oh, well, they always put mandalas into adult coloring books. And I'm like, Maybe not a backdoor pilot, but a backdoor product. Sure, that this is <laughs> this is your pitch to John Van Sitters. Like, hey, let's uh, see if we can do a new coloring book because there are several Star Trek coloring books. Are there? Oh, there are. Yes, you should look them up and take them out of the plastic and open the crayons. <laughs> what the hell? Or the colored pencils? I forgot. You're an adult. <laughs> But yeah, I really enjoyed this season. The season of Star Trek Picard was much more like a season of Star Trek Next Generation than any other season of Star Trek that I've seen thus far. Mm -hmm. um, when Star Trek was originally airing, I would go to it every week because it would help me know if I was on the right track because it always seemed that there was some theme or some phrase or some line or some sort of sense of something that would connect to you know, whatever I was going through and would like give me a sense of of acknowledgement, I guess, from the universe. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I, I'm tracking with you. So I didn't really have at the time any sort of like religious connection or anything. Mm -hmm. Like around the time that I was an adolescent, I was mostly still living through all of these like cons consistent traumas in my life where it's like, so I was adopted when I was very, when I was an infant, right? Right. So the family that I had was the only family, family I ever known, but that doesn't mean that I felt still like I was connected to them really like I still had the very strong sense of I was an orphan that was living with people who were taking care of me right it wasn't like so much like family like for the most part overall it just kind of felt like I was you know being taken care of by this family I had maybe someone in my family who made me uh who made it clear to me of that fact like very often you had somebody in your family that made it clear that you were being taken care of by somebody that wasn't your parents correct yes mm. um well that sounds like i don't that doesn't sound very comfortable yeah so I'm it sorry? was good to have the the thing where i felt like you know i was on the right track because i couldn't get guidance i couldn't really get guidance from anyone else so i had to look for it anywhere so like that right 
when Star Trek would come on, which it was strange that I would connect to it. Like it wasn't like sci-fi wasn't like really anything that I was into previous to it, but somehow I found it and I connected it to it. And I latched onto it, like, like started getting like every book and reading through every book and uh, watching every episode, et cetera, and reruns. And I think what I really got the most out of Star Trek at the time was like, it wasn't so much like the sense of, you know, it didn't feel like family or connection or belonging or anything. It was more like I I latched on to and got lessons about determination and about loyalty and about priorities and stuff like that. Okay. And then were it not for Star Trek, I wouldn't have joined the Navy, which sort of underscored those same things, but also allowed me to go out and like see the world. And so I spent, you know, a few years going around and seeing the world and connecting with this family that became my friends who floated around with me on our big yacht fixing our boat up as we went right <laughs> right okay and then there came a time where you know it was time for me to leave so i did leave the navy and then for a few months maybe up to like a year afterwards it was like this whole deflation feeling where it was like i was part of this huge brotherhood and then suddenly i kind of wasn't anymore you know there was, this has been a time when there was no internet the way that it is now you know, so there wasn't mm -hmm. re like really any way to maintain connections besides writing letters, which I, I don't think like a lot of people in my age group really wrote letters at the time. Yeah, I know. I rarely wrote letters or sent cards or anything. So uh, I found myself in a situation at one point where I had gotten uh, sort of beat up by this boxer in Jacksonville, Florida. And my father, who was a, uh, you know, who had been a colonel in the army and was a professor at Howard and, you know, had worked for the DC Department of Corrections for a while. You know, he's a, he was a pretty um, high stature guy, which I didn't really know as I was growing up. Like it didn't occur to me that that was a thing. Like I didn't really understand the way the world worked. Um, and so after, you know, I was in the hospital for that, my father got on a plane and like flew down there to Florida mm -hmm. and like packed me in the car and drove me back home because like I guess it was like he just came and rescued me basically yeah was, oh yeah that you know that was just like one of those milestones in my life where I was like oh this person actually like likes me and cares for me and you know he he had always been for me someone who was very supportive like mm -hmm. even if it was like quietly and you know off to ourselves he always makes sure that you know, he gave me the sort of feelings of like, I wanted to follow him. Like I wanted to be the Riker to his Picard sort of thing, you know, to the point where like a lot of times when we'd be walking like into a store or something, I would always take that like a little bit back into the right <laughs> position, you know, as we walk, because that just seemed oh. like what I should be doing. <laughs> you know? Yeah, I get what you're talking about. Yeah. yeah. And again, were it not for Star Trek, I wouldn't have connected to Battlestar Galactica. Right. So I spent this journey on Battlestar Galactica going, you know, across a galaxy and most of the time not really thinking about the trip that we were on, but most of the time thinking about the people and the connections and the relationships. And that sort of like opened up my heart and mind to like the possibilities of connections and what people are based on what they do and what they are based on how you perceive them and what they are based on how they perceive themselves and, you know, what's right and what's wrong and all that. And it wasn't until uh, Kara Thrace came back that I understood this this message of follow me, I know the way. And that in my brain suddenly connected to, oh, that's Jesus, right? So like, that's sort of like in short, the story of like how I sort of started to accept 
the the story of Jesus as something that was good and started to like be closer to God because of that and like you know pray more and talk to God more yeah um, wow interesting so you know while I was in school for computer science my my father had a high grades of arachnoid hemorrhage and basically seizured out and then never spoke or moved again Mm-hmm. and just sort of languished in a nursing home for about a year before he left. Um, and the, I took a tumble from that. And so like the connection in this episode of, or the most recent episode of Star Trek Picard was I connected fully to when Jordy was talking to Data and telling him, When you die, you broke me. Because like, I was like, oh yeah, I know yeah. exactly that feeling and it looks exactly like that and it feels exactly like that. Like I knew exactly what that was. Yeah. And I was like, oh, this is the way that I would be connected to stuff back when Star Trek The Next Generation was on, mm-hmm. right? So I started to get the sense of, oh, I'm here again. I'm here in this place <laughs> where, you know, Star Trek is confirming for me only now I'm here in this place where I know that God speaks to people in the exact perfect way that he needs to speak to them for them to get the message. Oh, cool. Right. So for me, that was he used Battlestar Galactica to get me to understand Jesus to bring me back to him. Uh-huh. And in this moment, it's getting this message of connection, of validation of that was a real feeling that when you died, it broke me. And then the next sentence was also true. You put me back together. You repaired me. The, the memory of you. Of you. Put me back together because it took me a long time of like being you know kind of wild like i fell off 85 different wagons right <laughs> and i was just kind of like out in the street i ended up you know homeless wandering the streets of dc for a few years before the time mm-hmm. that like i was able to find my way back to like reality and my senses mm-hmm. and when we first heard the first the 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 first star trek picard theme right i I thought I was hearing the theme of Battlestar Galactica. So that was my first clue of like, oh, maybe I should be paying attention to this, right? <laughs> and then last yeah. season, they brought Gaius Baltar as Picard's father. And I was like, and then and then I saw the moment of like, you know, Baltar talking to Picard is actually Battlestar Galactica talking to Star Trek. And I was like, oh, there's so many connections here. It's like, oh, they're <laughs> sort of reconciling the two in my head. And, t- and it's sort of like melding for me and telling me, oh, these messages that you are getting, they can come from wherever you're looking. And there's a reason that I'm looking there and it's to get that message. Right. That's kind of like all twisted up, but maybe it doesn't make sense, but it's just what, what the reality is for me. And then we get to a moment where we have Jack who's plugged into the Borg, right? Mm-hmm. And he's yeah. in this sort of like green space of, you know, perfection and everything's wonderful. He's really just like, he looks like he's staring off in the distance, just in like bliss, right? And for me, this connected to the state of like, of being on drugs right being on drugs where like everything is numbed and everything's okay even though it's actually chaos going all around you you just can't feel it and everything feels okay and you have a smile on your face and you know everything's fine and everything but everyone thinks you're being a jerk but no i'm in this perfection like this is perfect like this is exactly how everything should be in that moment i was like oh my god so now i'm connecting myself to jack and i realized as suddenly i'm identifying with jack which i didn't want to do i realized oh of course i would identify with jack because my father is picard and then we flash to the scenes of the memory of him the memories of picard 
brought Jack back together and that connected to the Jordy and Data, the memory of you brought me back together. So having that whole moment of first we underscored and prefaced and got you ready for the memory of someone bringing someone back together, right? And then in this final episode, it's the memories shared with the father and the love and the lessons and the, you know, recognizing each other as like full humans that actually care for each other and have value and importance that gave me that validation again of like, oh, that's my story. There it is. Like, it's just like, you're just validating for me that that's real, that that's a thing. So like, that's a part of the reason why I say that this season of Star Trek Picard has been for me just like back in the day watching Star Trek The Next Generation. I feel, I, I'm not to say that I feel like an adolescent, but I just have that, I have like a sort of like giddiness in my gut and like a validation that I haven't felt in a while so that's what star trek picard season three has been for me wow that sounds very powerful i'm glad that you shared that with us thank you it's my pleasure i was gonna hold it in but i <laughs> i don't even know if i explained it very well but i just thought maybe it might be helpful maybe other people have those connections as well and you know maybe it helps yeah well you know. actually for me when you were talking about uh laforge geordi talking to data uh, and you made that connection, you know, to when you died, you bro that broke me. I was able to make a similar connection to that. And I'm not sure exactly. You you know more of the losses in my life than our audience do, but mm -hmm. I'm, I'm not sure exactly which individual is coming to me right now. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I really was able to connect with that and, and be like, oh shit, I'm, thank you for helping me see that scene that way mm -hmm. you know there was a twitter poll recently that i saw and it said you know well which of these scenes made you cry the most and after i voted it said the appearance of the enterprise d and i'm like i'm not even sure what my choice was but i do remember that you know i kind of wanted that one of the choices was the geordie scene and i kind of wanted to pick that but i remember maybe it's just because that it was more recent i think it was the death of shaw mm -hmm. you know and i'm thinking well this is kind of a little bit rigged i think you need to put this poll up much later because no, the sure. death of shaw is too fresh in our minds as people as things that happen but you know i mean i kind of wish that i picked that data Jordy scene now Oh, so there's another thing about me and my father in star trek and that's that like he was in full support of me watching star trek and being star trek and doing <laughs> yeah. star trek like my mother was kind of against it but like my father would like s sneak and let me buy comics on the side and i get like books <laughs> i have like a whole closet of books and comics oh. and stuff and i still have like a lot of those comics like all around and it's like yeah. a tangible reminder of like this this only happened because your father loves you like he <laughs> like he like it did, it's not like he it was anything for him like he wasn't interested yeah. in it and he knew that i was just gonna go put in put it in a bag but like <laughs> i still have it now and it's like it just it's it's i can never forget <laughs> you know like it's a it's a tangible right. reminder we've established that my memory is bad and because <laughs> of the fact that like he was he, he used to talk about star trek with me even though he didn't know what the hell he was talking about like his favorite 
His fa- he would always say his favorite alien was the Calvarians, and I was like, "What the hell are you talking about?" <laughs> like, you know, I just okay, Calvarians. Yes, Andrew. Yes, yes, absolutely. And um, <laughs> <laughs> which of the Cal- Calvarians? They don't exist. And then, <laughs> and then, and then, like, but he was there. He was there, and I, I, I would never bring. I could never bring it. You know, to tell him. He actually was talking about the Tolosians, I think. But like, he would. I could never bring it to like just be like, mm. no, that doesn't. Yeah, um, <laughs> but he was there when like I fell out of my chair because you know, Tasha Yar reappeared as Romulan. You know, like he was there to take me to movies. Like all, oh, like he was he yeah. was there for it. And because yeah. he was there for it, when I saw that whole scene of Picard and Jack, and I connected to Jack, I was like, oh, my father's here with me, <laughs> watching this with me. Like he he's here. With, like that's what it felt like. It's like it was uh-huh. almost as if I was getting a message from him of of connection right okay that's wow that's cool that, that is definitely really powerful and i'm glad that you were able to be open to receiving that and i'm glad that you were able to understand that and in such a short time sometimes for me the processing of things can happen over days or weeks or months or years and it sounds like in the moment you were able to say yes okay this is something that is for me yeah i might just be a narcissist (laughs) (laughs) no comment (laughs) well but i I mean this so i believe this for everyone though i think that when you are in your head uh-huh. that that spark of you that you know is you like when you're looking out of your eyes and you know that's you looking out like you know you're you and everything else uh-huh. everything else that you can see that you can touch you can smell you can hear you can taste is all God because everything that's not me uh-huh. was created by God now I was created by God of course but uh-huh. everything was created by God right so like everything you can see hear smell touch even the good and the bad and the indifferent it's <laughs> all God right so uh-huh. if you look for it you you're you're constantly getting messaging everything yeah. you see is coming straight from god everything you hear everything you i don't mean to get all religious let me back <laughs> but like everybody's turning up they're like what are you okay jack but i mean i say all that to say that it's my belief that everyone has that experience you know like everyone's walking through their own novel and there's a clear beginning there's a clear end there's a climax there's a denouement yeah there's building there's world building you know like everyone's walking through their own novel just open your eyes to see the page yeah i mean i can remember when the first time i kind of realized that people aren't seeing the world from my perspective they literally aren't looking out of my eyes and they don't see the same you know i was looking at some kid in front of me on the playground and i was thinking doesn't he see can't he see from you know this perspective what he looks like and, and he looks like such an idiot and yeah. i'm like oh wait no he, of course he can't, he can't. see out of my yeah. eyes yeah. he can only see out of his own eyes and and from his perspective it looks the same because we're all connected it looks the same out of his eyes that uh, whatever he's looking at maybe a different yeah. point of view a different angle but yeah he sees the same the world the same way I do. He doesn't see himself standing there in front right. of me talking right. to you know. He sees myself he sees in front of him talking yeah. to yeah. Yeah, this is the thing that this is the thing that irks me when people are trying to take pictures and they're uh-huh. always like 
they always like face away from the light for some reason and i'm like no <laughs> what are you doing like well that depends on what effect you're going for with well, I mean, but the, like, why can't I see? And I was like, I'm, I'm in the light. I'm like, yeah, but you have your camera is face is pointing toward the light. All you're gonna be is a silhouette. You have to face between. The light has to be behind the camera. Like, guys, like, and that's the thing is like, nothing has changed. Nothing has changed but perspective. Yeah, I wonder if for vloggers, I wonder if that helps them because you know they learn about putting you know the big popular thing right now is a ring light, and they put that yeah. behind the camera and they. You, you can even have a mount for the camera inside the ring light. Yeah, I've learned on for meetings at work uh -huh. that if the person doesn't have a light, that they always look like a little bit creepy. <laughs> and when I realized that, I was like, oh, I need to get a light. <laughs> so now I have a light every time I use a meeting because I'm like, oh, I certainly didn't know. Because for me, I just look, it's the normal light in the room. So like yeah, yeah. when I'm looking, it seems just fine. But then, like, right. I realized, oh, but some, from someone else's perspective, it might be a little... Mm. Well, and there's a lot of people that, instead of using a mirror, they'll use a camera, now, especially now that we have one in our pocket all the yes. time, yes, to I do look that. at yeah. themselves to see how they really look when they're all made up or dressed yeah. up or whatever. I usually I usually take a camera, like, mm -hmm. and you know, the front-facing camera, and I'll, like, take a picture yeah. of my nose just to see if I have any boogers before I walk into a meeting. <laughs> so you don't have to get caught out in public picking your own nose yeah yeah no you just like you just take the picture real quick and then you pull up the picture and you look at it and zoom in you know <laughs> you gotta do it man. You, gotta make sure you gotta make sure you're tip top right <laughs> so i'm looking very much forward to the section 31 movie i think it's gonna be awesome i'm i'm glad that michelle yo has shown those naysayers that Star Trek is in fact important because people were like, oh, she's probably too big to come back to Star Trek. No, dude, she wanted to do Star Trek in the first place. Like, she was excited about it. Like, who wouldn't want to do Star Trek? Yeah, and I mean, she's not the first one that was too big for Star Trek. You know, Gene Roddenberry was surprised to hear from Whoopi Goldberg, this big comedian, this big actor, sure, that she wanted to be on, on his little syndicated show of The Next Generation. You know what's the biggest thing about that for me is that it doesn't speak so much to about what Star Trek is. It speaks about what kind of person that actor is, right? Like, oh, okay. Chris Pine and Zachary Quinto are apparently too big to come back to Star Trek. Okay, guys, peace out. Like, see you later. It's cool. <laughs> We're good. We have a whole universe. Like, y'all just had your own little thing, and you could have been, like, an amazing thing. You could have been, like, a yeah. parallel thing that yeah. was, like, totally different and, to like, totally, like, whacked out and cool. But, like, whatever, guys. Like, whatever. If you're, if you're too yeah. good for and, it, then don't yeah, do it. But Michelle Yeoh was dope as, like, in everything that she did in Star Trek, she was great because she wanted to do it. Like, cool. Yeah. Come on back. If you want to do more, we will. I will pay for it. I will go buy the DVD. I will go. If, you do, if they were to release Section 31 in the movie theater for like 40 bucks, I would go see it. <laughs> like, um, yeah, well. come do it. Yeah, if if you if it's that you you just need you know make sure you get your money for I want you to make sure, I want you to get your money for it. I want everyone to get all of their money for Star Trek because they do all do wonderful jobs, especially Cindy Appel and Krista Rick. Well, in the big movie that she made after Star Trek, I wanted to see that. It's a sci very sci-fi concept of you know jumping from universe to universe. Yes, she kind of already had experience in that. Yeah, I've seen everything everywhere all at once. And yeah. it's a really good movie. Uh, it has to more. It, it, and and that's the thing about good sci-fi. Good sci-fi 
as a story that has nothing to do with sci-fi mm-hmm. and yeah. everything everywhere all at once has that uh and also it has the potential of like you know in everywhere everything all at once part two she could like you know <laughs> jump into the body of it's possible okay. you know i've always wanted to do like one of those one of those not not property property crossovers like you know Ooh, the okay. end of like the end of star trek enterprise should have been sam beckett leaping back out of the body of captain <laughs> archer <laughs> that's what that should have been the Riker, the Riker Troy thing was cool you know that's kind of a left turn but i definitely was expecting a leap i was definitely yeah. expecting a leap at some point i promise you everybody that grew up in watching this quantum leap yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, they did kind of do a crossover because they invited uh, the guy that played the holograms. Dean Stockwell. You know? mm-hmm. Yeah. He was they also on Battlestar Galactica, by the way. Oh, okay. So he's actually been on all three. We have a few, we have a gap between uh, now and new releases of Star Trek, which I believe mm-hmm. is Strange New World Season 2 coming in June, is it? or June, June. 15th. Yes. Yeah. So we have some backlog uh, discoveries to do. We also mm-hmm. have uh, plans in the works for some new uh, Patreon exclusive shows. Mm-hmm. So keep your ears cool. eyes open for those. Those those should be coming down the pipe very soon. Yes. Speaking of Star Trek Strange New World Season 2, wasn't there another announcement about another show? Was it going to be a show or a movie? Yes, there's. Uh, so while we're seeing the end of Star Trek Discovery in 2024, I think, uh, we'll also see the start of Star Trek Starfleet Academy, which oh. will be in the same uh, 31st century timeline. Oh, okay. So that so, allows us to have, you know, maybe a Burnham cameo every once in a while. I believe this yeah. might be, this might have Tilly in it because she is, oh. she did go off to the academy to do yeah. teaching, I believe. Yeah. Maybe we'll exactly. see those uh, kids from that one episode back as well. Oh, right. Yeah. Her adventure with them on the shuttle. Yeah. The Orion, the Tellarite. Mm-hmm. Uh, also coming soon is... The Star Trek game, which is called Star Trek Resurgence, it looks really great. Oh, I hadn't heard that. I've had my own personal mixed reviews on it because I thought it was going to be a Telltale game, and I was a little disappointed because I wanted to like actually have an experience of like running around and doing stuff. And then I watched uh-huh. a gameplay video yesterday that had somebody running around and doing stuff in Star Trek. So I'm like, okay, so apparently it's like a mix of Telltale and rpg and space flight so i'm thinking from what they describe it's sort of everything that i dream of okay so fingers crossed for star trek resurgence coming out very soon well i know telltale does a really good job of of video games i've never played one of their games i'm really stoked to finally get a ps4 if i ever get around to doing that because i've wanted to play a wolf among us for so long i'm a big fan of the fables series but i would be excited if telltale did a collaboration with star trek and a collaboration with maybe with somebody else so that running around portion of yeah, it by telltale i didn't mean like specifically the company but that style mm. oh i get what you're saying so like the branching paths kind of yeah as opposed to like first person shooter or like run around do stuff it, it would be more like yeah you're sort of just pushing a button as an action happens on screen you know, in time to make sure that the choice is happening or you make a choice, <laughs> you know, and, you know, not much moving around and stuff. I don't know. Like like a whole interactive cutscene. Yeah, that's kind of, yeah, that's kind of how Telltale's uh, have been for me. Oh, okay. 
Well, I don't have anything more at the moment about Star Trek Picard Season 3, except for thank you to everyone for um, for it. Everyone who was a part of making it. Yes, thank you. Is, is awesome. Yeah. Uh, I, I urge everyone to watch the final, uh, is it the final? Well, wh- whatever. Watch every episode of The Ready Room because Will, right. Will, Will, I was about to call him Will Smith. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. Because Will Wheaton is awesome on every episode. I know that it seems like yes. he's being over the top, but the more you watch it, mm-hmm. the more you realize see, that's actually him. He's actually being genuine. Oh, yeah, yeah. The times you can tell the most is when he's interacting with his next-gen co-stars because they're yeah. validating it because they're interacting with him like that. This is him. Well, yeah. And if he's this person, he is an incredible person and just has a grasp on sort of what it means to be a, a, a Trekkie and also has yeah. a lot of pride about being a legacy Star Trek actor, which, you know, he deserves to have. And he has a lot of love for Star Trek. And one of the most amazing things I've seen on the ready room was when... Now, there were two two ways that they showed this. And one was Wesley walks onto the bridge from the... Tur- or rather, Will Wheaton walks onto the bridge from the same turbo lift that he originally mm-hmm. walked on in Encounter at Farpoint. Yeah, I love that. Right, and he walks on with Michael Kuda, and then Michael Kuda shows him the panels and stuff on the bridge. That was a cool entry, but the one I loved <laughs> was the one, for some reason they didn't like feature this one, they just did like little clips of it, and it's when he first saw the bridge, and he went there, and Jonathan Frakes gave, gave, you know, walked oh, on there right. with him. right, yeah, I remember that. This man went and sat down in his seat and hugged that console like, I miss <laughs> you so much. And he showed us from memory how Wesley Custer used to drive the ship, and he would say, okay, Picard would say, do this, and I would do All this. Right. And Picard would say, do this, and i do this. And Picard would say, okay, warp, and i do this, and slide, and tap. And I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> That's cool. like, this guy Michael is Michael awesome. is like, I'm so glad you used the actual controls on the thing I made for you. Yeah, he was going to go sit in the captain's chair. And yeah. I love the respect that he shows because, and, and I don't, and yeah. I know that he, didn't, he probably didn't sit down there when, when right when he was with uh, Jonathan Frakes, and he texted somebody, he texted people to say, hey, can I, can I sit in the chair? I have to get permission from somebody. Can I sit yeah. in the chair? Yeah, Brent Spiner got back to him first, and he's like, no. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but then he was like, yeah, go ahead, and. <laughs> I, I was, of course, you know, as if you've been listening to the show, you know, I was probably standing up at, you know, when this happened. And so I was standing up. I was standing up like in front of the TV and I sat down. I was like reflexive. I sat down as Wesley Crusher was sitting down and I was glad I did because when he did, I feel like I would have dropped to my knees anyway. Like that whole, the whole thing of him reconnecting with that set was beautiful like i so i highly right. recommend that everyone go and watch like all the episodes of the ready room they were all really great michelle forbes is in one of them rafi's in one of them michael dorn's mm-hmm. in one of them there's brent spiner like they're all all the episodes of the ready Tim room Ross. are phenomenal i would get a dvd of them and get like the outtakes <laughs> from it yeah exactly will wheaton is definitely very much as much of a fan as we are okay. and the nice thing about will wheaton connecting with the next generation cast is it, it, from a certain point of view they're his adopted family they adopted him into their family and from a certain point of view he's an orphan too so he kind of that became his family yeah they became yeah. his family 100 percent. and they know his story and they can you know relate to him yeah so i think that's really cool and 
great that they're able to still kind of include him. I mean, I wish they would somehow bring Wesley back. I enjoyed they, Wesley was when I was a kid. I kind of connected with Wesley okay, as a kid. So okay, and, so you yeah, you got I it. know Star Trek to... season two spoilers. Yeah, He's in yeah. season two. Okay, yeah. And I don't know if there is a satisfactory ending to that. You should watch it. <laughs> you don't even have to watch the whole season. It's in like it's like a Jack Crusher and Q scene. Okay. So, like, you don't even necessarily have to watch the whole rest of the season. In fact, I still co-sign you not watching season two of Picard and just watching that scene. Like, yeah, I mean, it's neat. It's a fun journey. It's a fun little trip, you know, but that's 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 all it is. It's a fun little trip. Mm-hmm. It doesn't really mean anything. And then the thing that should be carried forward into, that should have been carried forward into the next season in order to make at least the ending of it makes sense, was right. not addressed at one iota. Like, oh, not no. one time did we touch on any of it. So it's like, there's still a cliffhanger of Picard season two that I'm waiting to resolve. <laughs> like <it's, laughs> It hasn't resolved yet. I'm still, like, this is as if Picard is still on the board cube, and we're just like, we're still like, dun, 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 and it's been like four months, <laughs> dun, dun, dun. Like, two years later, dun, dun, dun. Like, okay, dun, dun, dun. Like, that's where we are right now with that story. Oh, no. So, uh, so yeah. So, there's all that to look forward to. Mm-hmm. Again, thank you, everyone, for listening to this show. We appreciate yes, it so much. You. It means a whole lot to me. It means a whole lot to me that we have people who are, are interested in, in hearing our maybe silly take and perhaps too in involves take on star <laughs> trek but i just these are all these things that are like bottled like this what, what's come out in these reportings is only like two percent of what's actually in my head of <laughs> yeah i don't think we got to all of our polls oh did we, we we have to wrap up the final polls from the final episode that's correct okay you want to take us through them yeah i think i can do it we didn't cover our best and worst lines for best lines, the choices were Worf, never say die or buy, and Riker, still batshit crazy, and both of them won at 50%. Okay. Our worst line, best worst line of the episode was mm-hmm. Worf's threesome line at 60%. Okay. Narrow margin. So that's what we got for those polls. Okay. So that yeah. brings us to the end of our polls. That's the end of the season. That's the end of the season. <laughs> so again, we'll have some. We we've reached uh, the beginning of season four in Star Trek Discovery in in our our backlog of uh, episodes. So we'll be releasing those in the gap between now and doing New Strange right. New Worlds, and, and as well as some Patreon stuff that we'll be featuring soon. We'll we'll tell you all about it as it's as, yes. as it's happening in real time. And Terry Metalis, if you're listening. Jack Dorino has a good idea for a short tracks for you. That's what I've heard. <laughs> yeah, all right. That's our show, everybody. Thank you very much for your time. Mm-hmm. Until next time, stay positive. Okay. Dream big. Uh-huh. And you'll hear from us again soon. Support the continued making of this show through Patreon.com. Oh, no. Let's Talk About Treks is a production of Anodyne Relay supported by the Star Trek fan community of listeners like you. We review the copyrighted works of Paramount CBS's Star Trek team, of whom no copyright infringement is intended. You can reach us via email at email at letstalkabouttreks.com. You can leave us a message at area code 202-804-6312. 
Our producer is David Moody, and our writers, Jack and Earl, are on Twitter as at Trekstalkers, and would greatly appreciate the obligatory like and subscribe from wherever you're listening now. We record on Lenovo computers with Zoom, mix with NCH Mixpad, and master with Kakos Reaper. Our intro, outro, and interstitial musics feature samples from Awakening by Waterboy from Pixabay. Will Wheaton once said, so don't you ever let a person make you feel bad because you love something they decided is only for nerds. You're loving a thing that's for you. Guess I can't say it without almost crying. Dun, dun, dun. All right.